welcome to Under the Covers with me, John Asquith, where I interview the authors. Uh, today's a great day. We've got Manoj Krishna on, on the call today, where he's going to be talking us through his, um, his style, Understanding Me, Understanding You, and Inquiry into Being Human. We all know that we're in the information era, and lots more people becoming spiritual about understanding themselves. So I'm delighted to have Manoj um, on the line today to talk us through it. So Manoj, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Um, so maybe could, could you start by telling the listeners a little bit about you? How did you come to being an author? Well, I used to be a spine surgeon for 30 years, so I am uh, completely unqualified, if you like, to be <laughs> an author, as I'm sure uh, many authors are. Most people are, yeah. Most authors are I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> what does he know about writing? Didn't go to writing school. Uh, neither did I. So... Um, but I've been interested in finding out, be curious about what it is to be human and how our minds work since I was a young man. Okay. And that curiosity just continued through my surgical career. And then I realized that I had an understanding to make a difference in the world. And gradually I left my medical career. And last year I left completely. Uh, I wrote this book, Understanding Me, Understanding You, and Inquiring to Being Human and set up this pro project called the Human Inquiry Project to make the world a better place. And okay. now I do this full time. So, um, and it's a completely free project and uh, I work in education mainly, but occasionally in organizations too. So tell us a little bit about the project before we get into the book. So essentially the project is, oh, it's called the Human Inquiry Project. And it's based on the premise, which is also the premise of the book, that human beings share the same mind. And when we're, we're all educated to understand only the world around us, but not to understand ourselves or how our minds work. And as a result of that, we humans are amazing at solving the problems we encounter in the world outside. You know, we put a man on the moon, we can feed 7 billion people, we can find a cure for cancer and so on. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to problems that come from within, like stress, anxiety, depression, loneliness, relationship breakdown, addiction, we have no answer. And we think there's no solution possible. Mm -hmm. And it's because we have no understanding of how our minds work. Now, you and I, we're different because, well, we might be physically different, but the main difference is the content of our memory, our experiences, well, you know, all our childhood, our families, and so on. So we think you and I are unique. But actually, behind the scenes, our minds function in exactly the same way. So, for example, the stress you feel, and I feel the feeling of it, is the same. Though the cause of it will be different in each of us. So we can explore it together. Or the nature of fear is the same, and, and so on. So, underneath all our different layers of identity, we are actually the same human being. And by understanding that, and understanding how our minds work, that brings intelligence and a it awakens a different intelligence call it uh, emotional intelligence or an inner intelligence and that intelligence in turn can transform our life and it can it, it has many applications in all sorts of fields perhaps including business as well perfect so tell us a little bit about understanding me understanding you what made you what, what, what was the decision point where you thought I've got something to say I'm going to write a book about it well, you know, I was, uh, had a long day of surgery, about 12 hours of surgery one day. I was driving home from work. 
and there was the radio was on and there was this war going on in Lebanon and a hospital had just been bombed. It was a children's hospital and kids were screaming. And something just moved me and I felt, my goodness, I've got something that can make a difference here. And that's when I decided to start writing the book and gradually ease myself out of medicine and do what I can, you know, and, uh, and that journey gradually has morphed into something much more profound. I work in schools, colleges, universities around the country. I wrote the book. We have a website. I do podcasts like this one, for example, just to raise awareness so that people can wake up and realize, oh my goodness, you know, there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes I'm not aware of. And if I became aware of it, it has a potential to transform my life, you know, in the sense that it can make us happier, deal with stress, with deal with, you know, challenges of life without getting mm-hmm. stressed, uh, live with a sense of peace, you know, inside us, meet life's challenges with serenity and so on. So, so maybe tell me, Manoj, just a little bit about, because it, it, it's really difficult, you know, you see a good title and... Lots of people that will be listening to this podcast will be bookworms like me. Who should be buying the book? What place in your life should you be at? What is it that you're hoping to accomplish by reading this? Well, you know, really, every human being, I think, has this capacity for intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I think, really, every human being should have this gift, because it is a gift. You know, It is not the world according to Manoj at all or some philosopher, or religion, or whatever. But it's merely saying, look, the book is a mirror in which you can understand yourself, and more importantly, how your hidden mind works. And that understanding will awaken your own intelligence. So, probably best to explain it by an example. Should I do that? That may be the best way to communicate that. So, for example, take... All the beliefs we have in the world, you know, you're Christian, I'm Hindu, we're Muslim, we have all these fights going on between different faiths and so on. Uh, Anti-Semitism, for example, or Islamophobia, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when we meet, we never, we, we say, well, my religion says this and yours says that, and you know, there's conflict. What we never ask is, what is the nature of belief? Why do human beings need to believe? When we sit down and ask that question, we realize actually the answer is the same in all five of us who have different religions because all beliefs will meet a need in us to uh, not be lonely, to belong to a group, uh, to, for example, end our fears of the future, what's going to happen when when I die, and so on. Mm -hmm. So belief on its own meets all these different emotional needs in human beings. And whatever meets our emotional needs, we become attached to. See? We become attached to the narrative of the culture we grew up in. So if you grew up in, say, Saudi Arabia, you become Muslim, you grew up in Belfast, you're Catholic or Protestant, and so on. But you never question that, you see. We never question all our conditioning influences. We just take it for granted. You know, for example, you might read The Telegraph and have one view on Brexit. I'll read The Guardian and have a different view. When we meet, we won't say the Telegraph says this and the Guardian says that. We'll say, that's my view. And then you and I will be in conflict. But we don't realize, actually, our opinions are not ours anyway. They're 
they're part of our unconscious conditioning. You see what I mean? Yep. So the moment you wake up and realize, oh my goodness, I've been conditioned and I've not even realized I've been conditioned. And I'm attached to that conditioning and I think it's the only way to see the world. So the moment I begin to question my conditioning, that awakens intelligence. But understanding my own conditioning and how it affects my opinions, beliefs, aspirations and my behavior allows me to understand others better too, you see. So that leads to happier relationships. And I can live without conflict, for example, with uh, people who have different beliefs and aspirations. So this book really, in the end, is for anyone who's curious about being human, who has challenges in life and wants to get to the bottom of it, to understand what's the root of it. You see. Otherwise, when we're faced with conflict in our lives, we look for band-aid, you know, um, counseling, meditation, medication, um, and so on. But it doesn't really deal with the root of the problem because the next day when the same trigger comes along, we respond in the same way. Yeah, and you bring up, I mean, we, we are definitely in, in a time where um, as, a, as a human, you feel something and we've got a medication to make you stop that. What we don't necessarily teach is understanding the why, Yes. Why it is that we're feeling and, and actually going on that spiritual journey of finding that out. So tell us a little bit about, um, not necessarily chapter, chapter by chapter, but talk to us about, for the people that are going to read this book, what are they going to learn? What is it that they're going to learn about themselves? What are they going to learn about the way that they think? Well, they're going to be surprised when they read the book and they're going to say, aha, I never, re- I never realized that about myself. For example, I never realized I was conditioned. I never realized that I'm conditioned and the other people are conditioned too. And we respond to life, for example, just from our particular narrow slice of conditioning, whatever it might be. And that shapes my reactions and so on. And just understanding that brings this wisdom. So reading the book brings wisdom. And the book is divided into 25 chapters. And we deal with common things that are common to all human beings. Happiness, stress, relationships, fear, desire, anger, uh, communication, and things like listening. Listening is a big chapter. For example, all of us listen really poorly. And if you can develop the art of listening well, that is a great gift and can contribute to your success in your relationships and in your work. So just to talk to us a little bit about listening then, um, you you are absolutely right that you're not necessarily taught how to listen. You're told no. to listen. And um, what you need to do when you're listening is probably be aware of all the things that block us from listening well, and that awareness immediately allows you to listen in a much better way. For example, as I'm talking to you or your listeners, you'll find that people are screen you screen things out that you don't agree with and you pay attention to the things you do agree with. You scan the conversation looking for things that are stimulating and you tune off from things that aren't stimulating. Your other the other thing that process that's going on is our hidden self interest. So we're looking to see what can I get out of this conversation? Am I getting something out of it or am I not? And if I'm not getting something out of it, then I'm going to stop listening. 
The other thing that might be happening is I stop listening because I'm immediately formulating a response. How can I respond? I have an urge to say something. You know, we have much stronger urges to say things than to listen, don't we? And so we listen poorly. And what we're discovering through science is that almost 80% of all our communication is nonverbal. So the other person senses whether you are listening or not. Even without you, you might be paying attention, but they can sense whether you're listening or not. And that they yeah, can and lots of this is happening subconsciously, isn't it? Exactly. That's the key thing in this book. It's to make the unconscious way the mind works conscious. And if you are conscious of something, it's like turning the light on when you go into a room. You don't bump into the furniture. You can avoid <laughs> obstacles. You see, it's really simple. So it's, ter- it's making the unconscious conscious. And that's what the book does. So as you become aware of how poorly you listen, why you don't listen well, that your mind is constantly buzzing away even when someone is talking, and so on. Then it allows you to become a better listener. You could make eye contact. You can ask questions. But these are all methods that are, you know, advocated. But really, the other person knows whether you're listening deeply or not. And if you can listen deeply to another person, it's the greatest gift you can give another person. The Tutu's Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa after apartheid Uh, A lot of the people who came through that said, for the first time in their life, somebody had sat down and listened to them without interrupting. And that in itself was healing for them. So in all our lives, whether we're at home or at work, being and becoming a better listener can uh, enhance our lives in, in a number of ways. And just by asking questions, we can become better listeners. So one of the other key things in the book is it asks a lot of questions and then explores what the answers are. But because you and I share the same mind and all human beings share the same mind, nothing that is written in the book or nothing I say has to be taken for granted. It's only true if you see it for yourself at the same time. So would it be fair to assume that this is not just for people that want to understand themselves on a on a more spiritual level, but also for you know the the general managers out there, the small business owners, the salespeople that need to develop those um, listening skills, sort of seeking first to understand before you're understood. It can also help with their conversational skills. Or absolutely, I mean anywhere where you deal with people, wherever people congregate, whether it's in small organisations, big organisations. There is so much interpersonal friction that saps the productivity of large organizations, as I'm sure you're aware. Absolutely. And this understanding allows everybody to get on better. And it can enhance the productivity of all organizations. Not only make you a more excellent human being. See, we never ask ourselves how we can be excellent human beings. And that's what the book helps you do. We always think of How can I be more successful in the world? You know, be more famous, wealthier, uh, etc., be recognized, and so on. But we never ask ourselves, at the same time, can I be also an excellent human being? And this inquiry into being human allows you also to be 
simultaneously an excellent human being and also successful in the world. In fact, it enhances your possibility of being successful in the world, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So one of the chapters is about really how to listen and, and engage with probably not just other people, but also yourself as well. What are some of the other chapters? Walk us through some of those. So, for example, the other one is about our hidden emotional needs, which dictate all our relationships. You know, we are all, we all carry with us, all human beings carry with us lots of emotional needs we're not aware of. For example, we all want to be loved, listened to, understood, feel important, feel secure, have a need for power, and so on. And all these needs operate in the background. Okay. So, say I come to work, I'm looking, or in my relationships, I'm looking for these needs to be met. So that's why, for example, I used to walk around the wards and many of the staff I met were demoralized. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, nobody recognizes my work. And I said, well, why do you need someone else to recognize your work? The minute, if you start waiting for someone else to recognize your work, you're going to be waiting a long time. Well, already you've you waited too long, right? Yeah, and you're going to needlessly make yourself unhappy. You see what I mean? Absolutely. But it comes from this hidden need we have to be important, you see, or to be recognized. Yeah. And that's something we're not aware of. So the minute you become aware of it, you know, it awakens this intelligence and you can start. And nothing is wrong, by the way. It's not right or wrong but you can start questioning it. So if I am a manager and I have a workforce and they all have these emotional needs they're not even aware of, and it's those emotional needs, if my workplace meets those needs, I'll say it's a great place to work. My boss is great. I love my job. I'm going to give 100% to this job. If my needs are not met, then the opposite happens. I become demoralized. I think it's a terrible place to work. I moan about it all the time. And of course, you know, and you—I'm sure you worked in organizations where morale is really poor. Absolutely, and this yeah. is Part this is the reason why. why. Yeah, and this is the reason why because there's all these hidden emotional needs that human beings have. Now, in a personal relationship, you can understand the conflict it causes because I'm trying to get my needs met from my partner. My partner's trying to get his or her emotional needs met from me. We're not even aware of them. And immediately you can see there's going to be conflict. And I say, if you meet my needs, I'll meet yours. And, you know, that's a barter system. There's no affection in that process, you see. And it becomes a transaction. And the minute you stop meeting my needs, I'll say, well, I don't want to be in a relationship with you anymore, and I'll find someone else. And then the whole cycle repeats itself again. But I haven't understood what's happening in the background, if you know what I mean. So the same process occurs at work, at home, uh, with all our relationships with our children, you know, colleagues, friends, and so on. So just waking up to this and understanding what's going on unconsciously allows us to live with intelligence. And a lot of the conflict we see, I mean, divorce rates in Britain, you know, are 42%. So much of the conflict in relationships is avoidable. And uh, this can be, you know, we can get past that. The other big uh, um, chapter in the book is about stress and how to deal with stress and meet stress with intelligence. Um, because, you know, again, between 70 and 80% of people in Britain report being stressed with all the ill, you know, the health problems that can cause. I would say and it's probably higher today than 
ever before. Yes, because it is. I actually had a conversation uh, with my mother of all people um, at the weekend. And what we said is, look, let's, let's put all our devices to one side and actually have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, because the world is so busy now. You know, 15 yeah. years ago, if people wanted to talk to you, they rang you on the landline or they knocked on your door. Yes. Now, you've got email. You've got social media. And social media just doesn't end with one thing. There's a variety of different ways of getting in touch with people. Not just getting in touch, but pushing information. There's the TV, there's radio. It's such a noisy place to be in. And time just sort of passes by now. So I I would sort of understand if stress levels were higher now than ever before. And you know the paradox is? Loneliness has never been higher now than ever before. <laughs> well, I can also understand that as well because while you know, whilst we're so much more connected than we have we've ever been, we're also more disconnected than what we've ever been. Because, because we're you know, not we, getting that personal relationship anymore. Correct. Because we don't have the depth of relationship that we used to have. Perhaps. Absolutely. So it's the quality and depth of our relationships that is important to nourish our lives. And again, what the book does is explore that. So how can we have these nourishing, deep relationships and uh, and avoid the conflict that, you know, gets thrown up in, in, in them? But the other thing that's really moved me is a lot of the young people committing suicide in Britain, you know, when there's a challenge. And one of the, that's what the book tries to address as well is when, because we, one thing is for sure, every human being is going to have challenges coming at them every day. Uh, some you're ready for, some you're not. But the thing is, how can we prepare ourselves to meet these challenges? It's like learning to swim. You know, this intelligence, once it's awakened, is like learning to swim. So when the challenge comes, you don't drown. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I work in education, uh, mainly, so that if young people can be given this gift of this inner intelligence, call it emotional intelligence, and this ability to understand themselves deeper, they can meet these challenges of life and swim through them rather than go under. And this can happen at any age, by the way. You know, I have, I know people in their mid-40s who have a simple uh, acute event and can't cope with it and take their own life. And it's a completely avoidable tragedy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, to sum up, what would you say uh, to, the, to the listeners? When they read the book, what are the, the major takeaways that they will get? Okay, well, it's really simple. That There is two or three things. Firstly, if they understand themselves and how their minds work, it awakens in them a deeper or an inner intelligence. And this intelligence has the capacity transform their lives for the better, to make them happier, healthier, emotionally healthy, have better relationships, meet the challenges of life uh, without getting stressed, and live with compassion and a sense of peace. So these are all the potential benefits of this deeper emotional intelligence. And I think it's a gift that you should give yourself. Every human being deserves that gift. Um, there's no hidden agenda, there's no, uh, we're not peddling any philosophy or religion or anything like that. 
Uh, and what it does is it brings human beings together. Because if you and I realize we're the same human being, it awakens between us a sense of compassion, you know, rather than the divisions that are so rife in the world today. I love that. No better way of summing it up. Manaj, it's been great to speak to you today. Um, and actually, it's been great to hear you today. Maybe I should communicate that a little bit differently. So it's been great to hear you today. Uh, I, for one, cannot wait to hear from the listeners in regards to what they've learned, not just from reading the book, but doing something with it. Knowledge yeah. is power, but it's powerless unless you do something with it. Yeah, and also just mention that there's a website with a lot of information. It's called humaninquiry.org, and it's a free project, and uh, it's just designed to make the world a better place. Absolutely, of what you're doing, and keep up the great work, Manoj. Uh, I can't, can't wait to get this out there for people to listen to. So, so thanks. John, so thank much you very much for your time today. Thanks for being under the covers with me. Thanks, Manoj. Okay. Bye-bye.